Welcome to Seeing Mind to Mind, All Things Mental Health. I'm Anastasia Doulis, Clinical Mental Health Counselor. Life can be tough. This is a podcast about surviving and thriving when life throws you curveballs. So today I thought it would be really helpful to talk about grief. Um, it's really interesting to me because most of pe- the people who call in to see me want to come in because they're depressed or they're anxious. Uh, that tends to be the trending thing. Because I specialize in trauma, I get people who have actually experienced traumatic events who want to come in um, and do EMDR work. Uh, that's another topic for another day. But what I find the common theme amongst all all of my clients and all of my friends and all of the people in my life who are struggling, I find that the common theme is a grief. Most of the work I do is actually grief work. And we associate the word grief with death, but grief is actually about all loss and loss can look lots of different ways. It's life transitions. It's realizing we didn't get what we needed. It's relationship changes changes in jobs, Um, when we experience something overwhelming, uh, we can have a grief period afterward for what happened and what didn't happen. So for example, if you experienced something traumatic and you didn't get what you needed at the time, there's a grief associated with that. Uh, And so it's, it's just really important, I think, for us to recognize that because grief is something our brains and our bodies know how to navigate But our tendency, our brain's tendency is to also avoid pain. So we have this fight inside. We have this fight inside our brains and our bodies. We want to avoid the pain, but our brain and our, the brain and the body, they're going to bring up what needs to be processed. Um, They're going, it's going to throw emotions at us, feelings. Um, I call feelings in therapy, I call it the F word because (laughs) Nobody really wants to feel the bad feelings that come along with grief, that come along with hardship. And so it's really important when you're working through any challenge in life that you recognize that you know how to work through it on, on on a visceral level, like on the body level, the body knows how to heal itself. We get in our own way, though. I know I can relate to that. I get in my own way when I need to grieve something. I want to automatically avoid it. It's just this like natural impulse. I don't want to go there. And when people are coming to therapy, they're generally not stoked to see me. They're not generally excited to come in because they know they're going to feel the feelings. Um, I I want to give some examples. I have some wonderful clients, and, and for the sake of anonymity, I'm changing the names of these clients, but they've given me permission to share a little bit about their stories. I want, I want to make this relatable to you, and I think the, one of the biggest pieces with grief work is knowing you're not alone. We're supposed to grieve with people. That is how we're designed. If you look at mammals, if you look at elephants, for example... Uh, When an elephant in a herd has a death within that herd, you actually see the grief process. You actually see them go through the grieving, and they even revisit the places where their um, loved ones died. It's really interesting. So we're talking primal level, folks. We're talking like the brain getting to a very, very uh, visceral level in terms of grief, and we're tribal by nature. 
We don't survive this life alone. Even if you consider yourself an introvert, you still need people. So what I'm hoping is that these stories will be relatable to you. Um, For example, Bill. Um, Bill came from a big family. He was one of the younger siblings. He didn't have any horribly traumatic events in his life, but there was this, this dynamic within the family where one of his siblings was allowed to bully him. And whenever he would fight back, it was discouraged. So what ended up happening is this response in his body, this natural anger response to fight back was thwarted. It was pushed down. And so he's coming to me now as an adult. Um, he's he's uh, in midlife at this point and out of his family of origin, has a home of his own, has gone through several life transitions. And we're still going back to this experience in childhood. And with that has come a great deal of grief, grief for his parents not doing what should have been done, which is to protect him. Um, Our parents are supposed to protect us. And it's not that his parents were bad. It's that his parents were doing the best they could and they didn't see it as a big deal where to him, it was a big deal. So he's grieving not being protected. He's also grieving the fact that he was not able to fight back. And part of his grief is allowing his anger to come up. Now, when somebody's taught that anger is not healthy, um, of course, we're going to push that down. But the problem is all these feelings I'm talking about that are associated with grief, which include um, anger and sadness and frustration and um and just this sense of loss, they have to be felt in order to move through. Our feelings actually give us a lot of information. And if we continue to push them down, it's like pushing a beach ball underwater. Eventually your arms get tired and I guarantee that beach ball is going to hit you in the face when you do not want it to. Um, Generally, these emotions, if we're not purposely feeling them and being mindful about it, will come up and hit us at the most inopportune times. I'm speaking from uh, personal experience as well. So as we're working through his grief and his trauma, uh, we have to allow his body to feel those emotions, to feel the sadness, to feel the loss, to feel the anger, uh, to even bargain. Uh, to go through this bargaining process of, well, what if I would have done this? What if I would have been better in this way? Uh, That's a natural part of the grieving process because our brains are even after the fact trying to figure out what could have been different, even though we know consciously we can't change the past. We have to allow that process to be there. Uh, I'm going to give another example. Uh, A a client named, I'm going to call her Karen, She didn't have a particularly traumatic childhood, but her mother suffered from postpartum depression from the time she was born. Her father was a workaholic. Her her needs were met. She she got what she needed in terms of food and shelter and clothing. She was kept warm, but she didn't receive the emotional support she needed. So what did she do? She learned to shut down. And as we are working through... Uh, the depression that she's feeling, what it really is, is this numbness, this numbness that she learned, that her body learned was safer to feel than to feel the emotion of panic, Uh, the panic of I'm not getting what I need. 
um, and I have reached out for it and I'm not getting it. And so as we're working through that response, we're also working through her grief of and this internal conflict of I love my parents. I have to, I, I feel like I need to appreciate them for what they did do for me. Uh, but I also have to grieve the fact that they were unable to meet my needs. Uh, the other piece of this is we often internalize when we don't get our needs met and we're going through this grief process. We internalize it as children and we think it's about us. And so part of the grief process is also looking at the cognitions or the beliefs that we took in as a result of what happened to us. And we have to unravel that. So we have to be able to face our grief. And I know that's really hard. I know that it's hard to feel those feelings that come up, but every feeling is adaptive and every feeling has a purpose. So it's wonderful to feel the good feelings, the happiness, the joy, to feel play, to feel seeking, to feel um, anything that feels good in your body. But we also have to give attention to the feelings that don't feel great. Anger needs a place to move through. Usually anger creates this, this response in the body where we need to fight back, we need to run away, or we need to say what wasn't said. We need to feel this sadness and, be, and, and allow ourselves to let the sadness move through. Usually that's through tears. Uh, I find my, my female clients work through that sadness easier than my male clients because little boys are socialized to be tough and they can feel angry and happy and that's about all. So if you're if you are if you identify as male and you are socialized male, then you may notice that it's harder to work through sadness. Um, this was the case with Bill. He couldn't experience sadness or anger, and so he was in a really stuck place where he was anxious and depressed. Like I said, people come in for anxiety and depression, but I'm looking at what is underneath that. What are people actually? What what is the nervous system trying to tell us? By sending the signals of depression and anxiety, uh, what is the body trying to tell us about what happened? Because the body does tell a story. Uh, with with Karen, she really she could feel she was mostly numb. She could feel sadness because she was socialized as female and in in the dominant culture of the U.S. Generally, um, it's okay to cry for women, but. Uh, we had to also work through her anger where she didn't want to be blaming of her parents. But part of the grief process is just acknowledging, I can be angry. I can be angry about what happened. And it doesn't mean that I have to say that they were bad. It doesn't mean that I have to say that they did something horribly wrong to me. It's usually generational. So when we're looking at what we didn't get, when we're looking at what happened, sometimes we can have compassion for what happened at the same time that we feel anger. And that might sound really um, like, like a lot of conflict within, and it is. People experience a great deal of conflict, but the, the ability to hold more than one emotion, even emotions that conflict with each other, and allowing your body to do whatever it needs to do with it is how we move through grief. It's like a roller coaster is what I tell my clients. So we're going to have to go through the emotion, but emotions have a beginning, a middle, and an end if we're able to sit with it. And that means being uncomfortable. But remember, you can sit with this comfort and you will be okay. It's important to remind your body and your brain, although I'm fighting sitting with this because it hurts, 
if I can sit with it, it's going to have an end. And it may, we may experience another uh, hill of sadness, of anger, of frustration, of what, of, of whatever is coming, of anxiety, of panic. But if we can just experience it all the way, what I notice is my clients and my friends, even my family members that I tell this to, and even myself, what I notice is if I can sit with the emotion and I let it peak, it will come down. It always comes down. Our bodies know how to work through this. Our brains and bodies were designed to have emotion. It's hardwired in our brains. We're not getting away from it, folks. Um, the more we fight it, the worse it gets. And that's when people get into these cycles of depression and anxiety because it's like we have all this energy pent up in the physical body and we don't have any way to get it out. So it's really important to see that. And what I noticed happening across the board is that when we are able to feel the feelings and go through this process of grief, as painful as it is, we have the opportunity to reach out and connect with others. For Karen, she did not want to be a burden. I can't tell you how often I hear this. I hear this all the time. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to reach out to my family and friends. I don't want to be a whiner. I don't want to whine about what happened to me. My life wasn't that bad. We're tribal. We have to have people. And I feel like grief, grieving what you didn't get, grieving what happened, grieving the transitions in life. When we have that, we have the opportunity to connect with people on a different level and to actually enrich our relationships. It gives other people the chance to step up for you. And, and, and that is actually giving them something as well. I have to remind myself of this when, when I'm going through something and I have to reach out to a friend or a family member, I have to remind myself how good it feels when someone reaches out to me saying that they need support. It reminds me, Oh, I'm not the only one going through stuff. I'm not the only one having curveballs in my life. I'm not the only one dodging them. And so to be able to step up for someone else is actually very rewarding for the other person. The other side of grief is so much learning. We get so much clarity. We have so much growth. When we're able to sit with tough things, when we're able to like work through the emotion, when we're able to just experience the discomfort and see that we can survive it, tremendous growth happens. Think about if you've ever done something that was physically challenging and you were able to sit with the discomfort, and then at the end you felt really good about yourself, the same thing happens emotionally. So just like we can be proud of ourselves physically when we, when we do something physically challenging, like running a race, for example, it's uncomfortable, but at the end we feel great about ourselves. We can give ourselves the same reward in feeling the tough feelings. So that's why it is so important to ride the roller coaster. And I promise you, you will survive even in the moments when you feel like you're in collapse, which is, by the way, part of the grief process. Eventually, your body moves out of collapse, particularly if you're willing to reach out for support. Um, Once we move through this, we are better equipped to help our children, to help our friends, to help our family members, to work through their own grief process because there is not, I guarantee, there is not a human on this earth who is not going to have grief processes throughout their lives. It's just going to happen. Um, and we can learn and adapt to the world in a much more effective way when we're able to do that. So my advice to you 
breathe through it, reach out to people and know that you are going to survive this. You're going to survive this thing called life. You're going to survive all the curveballs that life is throwing at you. We all do. Uh, There's always hope on the other side. And I think hope is what we really have to hold on to. Remind each other. Remind each other every day that there is hope at the end of this, that even though life gets hard, life can be pretty great too. To all of my fantastic listeners, I am thrilled you're here. I am thrilled you're listening. I'm hoping you're getting something from this. Uh, Please know that this is not a replacement for psychotherapy. Help is available. If you or someone you know is struggling, please call 1-800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K. You've been listening to Seeing Mind to Mind, a podcast designed to help you navigate life's challenges. We'd love you to subscribe, rate us, or toss us a review. A big thank you to our sponsor, Lifestone Counseling Centers. And until next time, hang in there. You've got this.